Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jerry Park. on Mondays, Troy. This brings back pretty good memories, right? Yeah. We went and saw all Trans-Siberian Orchestra years ago now, over 10 years ago. Yeah, it was at BJCC, right? Yeah. And I, th- I believe Andrew went with his girlfriend last night oh. at the BJCC. And they said it was great. And I mean, I, I just remember fire. Did they have the dueling guitars on the scissor lift? Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh. Dueling guitar work, an electric violin. Fake snow coming from the ceiling. It's so, like, the production is so over the top. Mm-hmm. And I love that dramatic Christmas presentation. Yeah. Something about it. Something magical. But then, I, that song in particular is A Mad Russian's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it's just so good. Yeah, that so. guitar's got so much attitude. When there's something about old, like even certain classical music from the 1800s, this translates perfectly into electric guitar. Oh yeah, works very well. Now I'll I'll get into poppy Christmas stuff as we get closer. But honestly, as I'm going throughout my day, Trans Siberian Orchestra. Yeah. T S O all the way. Hey, and it's amazing. Like at the just a click of a button or two, I can pull up anything by them. Yeah. That's actually, this is the long. That was the longest clip of a Christmas song I've listened to all season. Oh, that's good. I'm glad I kicked it off that way. Yeah, we'll have more Trans Siberian Orchestra coming up, and that's what I'm going to really get into. I also like Sean Lee's Ping Pong Orchestra. Their Christmas music. Sean Lee's got a Christmas. Yeah, dude. Wow. Very funky. Very funky. I think it's called a very funky Christmas. Okay. Is the name of the album, and I love it because it's instrumental. Gets you in the the Christmas mood without beating you over the head with some Burl Ives or Dean Martin or Mariah Carey. Yeah, yeah. Sean Lee's Ping Pong Orchestra does a good job of being grandiose with few instruments. Exactly. It's about easing people in. It's only what the tenth today of December. Got to ease people in. Yeah. To that Christmas mood. I know some people start it right after Halloween, and those people are crazy. Mm-hmm. No offense, of course. 
Of course I meant it. You're crazy. Why are you listening to Christmas music in the middle of November? You know what? This is the Hallmark Channel's fault. I agree. They don't even have Thanksgiving movies. Right. Well, yeah, you know, I think Hallmark Channel should, I don't know, they should get paid. I think they inspire people to go buy onesies. That's probably true. You know what? There needs to be a stronger turkey lobby. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Lobbying the Hallmark Channel on behalf of Thanksgivers. Mm. Would that, is that Thanksgivers? Is that, I think we're is that all what Thanksgivers, you, though. Right, but is, if a person celebrating Thanksgiving is what? A Thanksgiver? They're American. Fair enough. <laughs> but I, you know, I did have this thought, uh, and I found, and I've been, I don't know, this thought is, how rich are we? I'm not that rich, really. Like, right now, when I look at my bank account, I'm like, man, you're broke! Especially after I buy the few Christmas gifts I'm going to buy this year. But then I step back and I'm like, I can have access to pretty much anything Trans-Siberian Orchestra has done, whether a studio recording or all sorts of live performances I can go find. Yeah. I can surf through pretty much the history of music as we know it Mm -hmm. for a very low cost, if any. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm broke and I feel poor, but I'm not really... Like, I was gluttonous this weekend. Ate a lot of food? Gluttonous, yes. Brownies and Christmas cake. Jeez. And, like, a big buffet dinner, too. I had some different meats. Yeah? Yeah, sliced salamis. Different salamis. We have two seven-and-a-half-pound hands, by the way. Hams? Hams from Honey Baked Ham. They were given as gifts. Seven-and-a-half pounds? Yeah. So we have two of them now. And then I get here today, and a lovely person named Mike sends me a Christmas card. You know what's in it? $50 to Honey Baked Ham. Do they have sides? I hope so. I don't need a third (laughs) ham. Three hams is too many hams. That's too much. It's too much ham. You know what you should do with the bones? Hmm. Make a stock. Yeah. Put some navy pinto beans in it. Yeah. Some ham seasoning. Okay. I like how you're you're talking right now. I'll get the recipe for my mom for you. Okay. It's amazing. I'm sure you've had it. But, folks, the point is this. Like, we're not living high on the hog, necessarily. But we are. Well, hams aren't that on the cut of the... You know what? That's just a phrase. Yeah. Just a... A colloquialism I sh- I or whatever the hell that is. I shouldn't be literal. No, please don't. Then we'll be very confusing to folks. The point is, not most people in this world are not, you know, Donald Trump. We're not making hand over fist. We're not billionaires. No. We're not even millionaires. Nope. We don't even have a few thousand dollars saved in the bank. Well, some of us do. Some of us don't. I don't. I'll just be honest about it. I don't. Because the way it works out for me, or at least it has the last few years, is I've got some money saved. Then taxes come around. It's like, no, Joey doesn't have anything saved anymore. (laughs) Ah! No debts. man cometh. No debts. And then the U.S. government's taken out a debt in my name. How lovely of you people. Anyway. Here's the question. Would you rather be as rich... As Rockefeller in 1916. 1960? 16. Okay. Like, you are a rich person. Rockefeller is Carnegie. 
1916. It's 100 years ago or so. Do I have the magnate status as well? Oh, yeah. You've got the social status. No, no, no. no. The magnate status. The magnate status. A leader of industry. Yeah, but that comes with a lot of heat and prestige. Yeah. I mean, you gotta you might have people have to kill you. Yep. So yes, it comes with the magnate. If you're that rich in nineteen sixteen, I suppose you are a magnate of some type. Yeah. Or would you say be willing to make you know twenty grand now? Which is better? Having millions and millions of dollars, a magnate, a titan of industry in nineteen sixteen. Or barely above the poverty line, say even in poverty in 2018. Do I have health insurance? Yeah, you, you could have, if you have that much money back then. You no, could... no, now. <laughs> yes, okay. Yes? Yeah, because if you're below the poverty line, I'm you taking, get, I'm taking you get, now. Yeah, you get Medicaid if you're that poor. I'm taking now. I'm not dying of dysentery. Even if you don't have health insurance, though. No, I'm going to 1916. You sure? Yep. Because in 1916, they didn't have antibiotics. Nope. They didn't have most medical procedures we have today. Nope. So all the things you're worried about, like... if you I, don't have I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be put into debt because of medicine. I also, if I were to get sick with something and it was a death sentence, they would just inject me with cocaine until <laughs> I died. And I mean, if you're dying, that doesn't sound like a bad way to go. That being said... A lot of the things we want, though, with health insurance today wouldn't have even existed back then. No, that's true. I wouldn't have had my partial discectomy. Right. Which didn't work. That sucks. I mean, it... Kind of worked? It, it alleviated the, the, the most, the majority of the issue. Okay. But I'm still getting epidurals. Mm. Those aren't fun. That's not fun. No. And you're not pregnant, so... No, that's a... Yeah, well, that's a different... That's, that's an a epi- different epidural? That's a... Yeah, they actually, like... It's like a... It's almost like a switch to block the nerve. Mm. This is not. This is a steroid directly in between. Okay, a particular the spinal spot. column mm. on the nerve. My goodness! Big needle, huge needle. I'm talking a Trump huge needle. Huge, huge, huge. Hey, China, huge. China, <laughs> China, China, huge. I thought you said something else. I said China, China. Jada. Anyway. No, if here's the point, is that in the last hundred years, the amount of wealth that has been accrued, not just for the top 1%, but to all of us, yep. is better. Uh, and By leaps and bounds, more than I think even Rockefeller could have imagined, or the richest magnates of the time. The, True. The robber barons, even, that were using political power. Because if you think back a hundred years ago, you don't have radio what we're using right now. Nope, you barely have electricity. And really, you don't have electricity in the way we understand electricity. 1916? Yeah, cities had electricity. You have it, but not, not, I think, in the way we think of it. I don't think it's quite as reliable. You barely have electricity, is what you said. You're right. Yeah, You, you have it. Yes. But not... You're you not don't running have, much. You don't have halogen bulbs. Right. You don't have television, obviously, because no. of this. You don't have timely transportation. You don't have computers. You don't have air conditioning. True. You might if your Rockefeller have some air AC hooked up, but probably not. You got ice. You got ice. That's probably what he would go with. You know, you transport big blocks of ice. No rock and roll, number one. That's okay. Yeah. 
Really? Yeah. I guess I can get down with some old Dixieland music. A little ragtime. Well, you know, Scott Jock. I'm sure back then they had like some edgy kind of stuff. Hmm. Where if you wanted to feel edgy, like a lot of rock makes you, well, not today, but you know, you know what I mean. Right. I just like to do this check up here in the sense of, okay, all this stuff everybody kind of takes for granted and wishes we had the money to do these things. At least you have the option of wanting these things. Yep. Like you could be the richest man in the world. You could be a king of kings. You could be an emperor of the world, so to speak. And you don't have the things we have today that the average person has. Most poor people have access to this stuff. The internet, electricity, air conditioning. I mean, by American standards of poverty, we're doing pretty well. And it's a good reason to think, all right, number one, don't complain about that crap. If you want to do something, you want to have a better standard of living, go for it. Right. And number two, if you somebody's really down and out and suffering, sometimes it's by choice, but sometimes it's not. So, you know, take the time. It's Christmas. Help them out. Yeah. I mean, if you see somebody out in the cold, give them a blanket. I saw a great... Uh, video. I don't know how great it is, but it just kind of warmed my heart a little bit this morning. Where there was a homeless guy in New York City, and there, this dude said, hmm, I wonder if Amazon, if I bought him, would deliver right to him. So he put in the delivery instructions. This guy gave his name sitting outside the store. And it's New York City, so it's like same day. And got him shoes and socks. And, yeah, they delivered immediately. No questions asked. Interesting. Got the dude some socks and some shoes that fit him just right. Should have got cardboard too, because you put that on the you put that in between the concrete and your shoes, and mm-hmm. you you lose a lot less heat. Really? Mm-hmm. Just with cardboard? Yeah, I mean that's apparently cops that walk beats they will do that. Hmm. Crazy, right? See, but I think folks that say even if you lay out all this stuff, like the poorest, even the very poor today in the United States are richer than. The magnates a hundred years ago. They'll take the money. And they'll still say, I want to be the magnate. Then it's like, ooh, why? Why? And I don't mean like, oh, you're now this titan of industry and you keep creating new things, like an Elon Musk sort of story. Part of me goes, oh, I, I just have a feeling you like power and status over others. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust that. So you I mean, don't, you don't trust me. No, I don't trust you right now. Okay. You want that power and status? You like it when, you know, so-called peasants wait on you hand and foot? I'm sure after a week I would be begging to come back. To your normal life. Yes. Because I don't like too many hands trying to grab at me. Yeah. You know? Right. I don't think I could handle that. But at the same time, the allure of the power that you get by being a magnate of industry. No, I wouldn't deny the allure. Wouldn't deny it's very tempting. You can, Um, I mean, you just change the entire landscape of the United States if you're a Rockefeller or a Carnegie. I'm not doing iron anymore. I'm doing steel. Right. Yeah. I'm going to connect one end of the country to the other. Right. Railroads. But then they do something like create the Pinkertons, and it's like... It just seems like a lot of work, too. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel oh, it's like not like there's anything else that's going to... I'm not going to like be on Facebook. <laughs> Fair enough. But I, I just think that we look back at these folks and go, oh, they got this money. And it's like, 
man, some of these guys, and I'm not saying they're good guys, that they should be emulated in every way, but it takes a lot, especially when you're creating industries out of cold cloth, to get there. Like the, the type of schedule somebody runs. I'll use a modern-day example, like these folks who wake up at, like, 4 in the morning, and they earn their sunrise, like they're working out early and their day starts that early, whether it's The Rock or Mark Wahlberg or whoever, some celebrity or somebody you don't even know. Mm-hmm. And you try that for, like, these celebrity schedules. Try it for a little while. It's not fun. Like, I guess your body and your mind build up a callus. You figure it out, but... At a certain point, it's like, there's a, it, that's enough. It's enough. Unless you're really driven to be the one to change the world or to, say, become president of the United States. I still think Donald Trump's nuts just because of that. You have billions of dollars. You're known around the world. You're pretty in good standing with a lot of people, millions of people. You're kind of this fun celebrity. You might be considered a little gaudy, a little over the top and stuff. And then you decide... Hmm. Let's just ruin all that and jump right into politics. Yeah. And either you really have to care, which maybe he does, or it wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. So, well, and also I think part of it is, uh, remember Trump was really getting the birther thing going. He was really pushing the birther thing. Where What is Obama's birth certificate? Blah, 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 blah. And he went to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And Barack Obama started making, like, all these jokes directly at Trump sitting in the room. And it's about, like, oh, we also found where Hoff was buried, and the, the, the moon landing was fake. Thank you for discovering this, Donald. He's mocking him. And everybody's laughing. Trump is not laughing. And I think Trump in that moment's like, yeah, what if I had your job? And he did it. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. So... I think there's definitely some status things going on there. It's not just... Yeah. It doesn't make much sense. I would... Me, right now, I would shy away from that sort of light. Yeah. Because it's getting hot. The light of the presidency. (laughs) Yeah. It's just too much. Who wants a job? I'm speaking of that. Who wants to be a White House chief of staff right now? Like, at least with the presidency, you get that sort of symbolic, you made history, you were the president. Who wants to be a chief of staff or a president? Yeah. Chief of staff or, God forbid, the press secretary. The press secretary for any administration. Any. Any of them. Any of them. Like, you could be the press secretary for the Lord, and it would be a (laughs) terrible job. Now, was it really fishes and loves just seemed to multiply out of nowhere because um, people were being charitable? Yes, can you or pass is this, this an on? allegory? Can you pass this on to the holy administration? <laughs> this child was six years old. Six. What's up with that? Yeah, it's just... It would be like, ooh. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, I, I don't see how people work in government, why they go yeah. for it. I mean, I can sit and understand it. And also, why people, it's not just like political power it's also sometimes money like at a certain point like i thought about after when we were playing the lottery and like i'd like to make more money than i currently am but it'd just be to like feel a little more comfortable and kind of a savings for the future yeah like when it becomes i want five million ten million fifteen million it's like when is enough enough man at some point wealth stops buying security and it just feeds addiction. Yeah. But it seems in this country, it's an addiction that we celebrate. 
and other other countries as well. But mostly in the United States, we celebrate being addicted to money. Well, and in many ways, I'm a capitalist pig. I'm all. I think the profit motive is what gave us all these things the last hundred years. People going for more, wanting to make money. Mm-hmm. Like even if you're just a selfish sob and all you want is more money. Luckily, this sort of system will create spinoff effects that enrich everybody, for the most part. It's a good thing. That's a that's a great thing. But just thinking personally, like why? I, and it's something I always come back to when I'm thinking about okay, what do I want with my life? It's uh, Epicurus talked about this, like thousands of years ago. Don't seek money, so fortune, fame, or political power for their own sake. Just don't. Don't bother with it. Now, he went on to say, also, don't seek uh, love, like romantic love. Friendship's great. Friendship is what makes the world go round, essentially, as Epicurus thought. But be careful with that romantic love thing, because it might be fun for a little while, but then it goes really south really quick. Did he extrapolate on that? No, he. it's all his sort of system of the idea of being at peace with life and content with life. Okay is studying the world and being open to figuring it out, but not letting your... Uh, it's essentially a temperate, uh, temperate and thoughtful hedonism. It's like, okay, drinking's fun. This would be kind of Epicurus' thought. Drinking's a lot of fun, but if you drink too much, you get a hangover and you feel like crap. So, drink just enough. Eat just enough. Like, don't go too nuts with it. Same thing with, like, love. Is that in most cases... People don't go into a love affair and it, like, works out and it's all sunshine and lollipops forever. There's usually some sort of hangover, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And I think, actually, the most successful marriages are the... I've never been in one. Thank the gods. Uh, But the most successful marriages are the ones where it's beyond just that sort of honeymoon puppy love thing. That it's actually a pretty deep, confiding relationship friendship. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Or like you're laying on the couch and she puts her foot on your face. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, this is my life now. That happens? I, this I feet know. on the face? Of them. I'm basically, there's a, there was a picture that LeBron James posted of him just sitting on the couch and his daughter is next to him. And this is LeBron James, probably the best basketball player of all time. I know right. people will disagree with me on that and say, Mike, but for me, he's the GOAT. Okay, and he's sitting on a couch, and his daughter's got her foot on his face. <laughs> and it was just like a meme that was like, when you think you want some peace. Yeah. And then there's a, LeBron James has a foot on his face. Well, and stuff like that keeps a guy grounded. Well, yeah. You would hope. Yeah. Like, you would hope it would keep him grounded. And that's, he's a good example of, he just became really good at something. And he continues to be passionate about being the best at it yeah and because of that you make money yeah and you make a lot of money there's also the staying out of trouble <laughs> with that too all the temptations at that level yeah it's gonna be incredible I and mean, that's he's not he's not pulling a ron our test on the court or a gosh well i'll use football plaxico burris off the court, or a or a Tiger Woods off the court, or Michael Jordan off the court, whether it's women or gambling. Yeah, or, yeah, and that I mean, it's funny. It's like it creates its own new problems, and it's interesting to sit back and go, "Well, why would you stick up for the rich guy?" It's like, yeah, because they're people too, and I, it's fascinating to figure out what's the new temptation 
when you reach that level that we would normally define as successful by every every extent, LeBron James is very successful. Yeah. For instance. But there's still going to be problems with life. So this idea that, oh, it just goes away if, if I just had the money. It would be great. Yeah. It's like, no, how about people make money by pursuing things that other people want, and then we all get richer in the end. Yeah. It's my hope, at least. That's how we get Trans-Siberian Orchestra on YouTube. Exactly. Exactly. Wrap that up in a little bow. Speaking of music, Mm -hmm. Voyager 2 has left the solar system, for the most part. I mean, it depends on what you consider to be the solar system. This is a space probe, NASA shot? Yeah, they launched Voyager 2 before they launched Voyager 1, but basically, in the time that I get this sentence out, it's traveled like 38 miles. That's how fast it's going at this point. And it's leaving the solar system to say it is approaching, or or probably in like 30,000 years, it'll, it'll approach the edge of our solar system to the extent that the sun's gravity will have no effect on it. Hmm. There's very little solar winds where it is now, so for layman's purposes, it has exited our solar system. Okay. And on it is like quotes from like JFK, music, um, a non-numerical version of mathematics. Okay. Basically, all the history of humanity wrapped up in case something ever picks it up and wants to look at it. There's like pictures of a man and woman and anatomical pictures, things like that. Wow. Really cool. That is fascinating. I I mean, I was kind of blown away by this is the first audio recording of Mars, this new probe they sent to Mars. Finally sent back like the Martian wind, what it sounded like. Is it eerie? It sounds like wind. Sounds like wind, yeah. Yeah, but you're like, oh, it's from Mars. Yeah, it's the same with the pictures. Like, wow, that's... I thought it would be cooler, but it's just because I built it up in my head. It's just red desert. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, say, Voyager 2's out there. And it's like, and space's pretty dark. <laughs> like, there's, yeah. not, there's not much out here. Yeah, they're, they're, it's desolate. It's approaching the point where there's very f- little solar wind. Right. Which is propelling it. Well, it'll eventually reach something called the Oort cloud. But here's the thing: it's you know, it's one critique. One of my favorite pastimes, and I suppose even during the holidays, the high holidays, is uh, is to watch old like theist atheist debates. I love Christopher Hitchens. I always agree with him, but I love his approach. He's a good orator. Exactly. Yeah, he's not like the most brilliant theologian or anti-theist or whatever. He's just very good at delivering an argument, and he's very funny too. I'll give him that. I almost wish Christopher Hitchens would have gone on the Food Network for, like, Iron Chef or something. Right, exactly. And then had a theist-atheist debate while eating a selection of meats. And then he tries Iberico ham and goes, God does exist. Right. Uh, But then there's one argument Hitchens, and I've heard a lot of atheists make that is just stupid, in my opinion. Where they talk about, well, eventually, at some point, everything... There'll be a heat death of, like, the solar system. The sun will expand into a red giant. It'll destroy the Earth. And yeah. all this stuff we cared about will no longer be here. Or, like, think about how vast the universe is. And we like to think we're the center of it and all that. But then I, what got me thinking about this is Voyagers out there. Pretty much in the desolate nothing. In, like, the void of vacuum of space. Yeah, once it passes the ore cloud, it will be in between... 
solar systems. But think about how meaningful that is. This tiny thing that, think in the vast, almost infinity that is the universe, this tiny thing has so much meaning. Yeah. Especially if it encounters another thing that understands that word, meaning, another life form. It's, it's it, remarkable. It would be very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, though, if it was just accidentally rocketing toward a planet. And <laughs> the supreme leader of that planet's in the middle of giving a speech when Voyager 2 comes crashing down. And yeah. That would be very Hitchhiker's Guide. I just, I don't understand that argument that, like, well, in a long enough time frame, we all die. It's like, no kidding. Yeah, no at, at the same time, when someone says that, I'm, I'm always thinking, like, well... In a long enough time frame, would you even care? Right. And like, this is you're, you're talking about all these things we care about. Imagine yeah. if you could live forever. Would you care about what happened today 100,000 years from now? No. No. The things that you care about now, you wouldn't care about. Or you might in some sort of nostalgic way. But just think, we, we don't live forever. Nope. And we do have these fleeting lives that... Even though out of nowhere you can find meaning, and of all people, I uh, I really on this particular topic like Jordan Peterson, because he he kind of distilled it down. This idea of uh, things aren't quite as meaningful in the end. Like how much money is enough? How much fame is enough? It's like you're not thinking in the right terms, or the wrong. Those are the wrong measures of thinking about what's meaningful. It's more how things play together. So it could be a rich guy is a great person who's helped bring and weave society together and he's charitable and all these other things. But here's the simple example Peterson gave against like, well, on a long enough timeline, we all die. What's the point? What's the point of anything these days? Yeah. He said, imagine listening to a remarkable piece of music. Like you're in the middle of a Trans-Siberian Orchestra performance. And you're really caught up in it. And somebody taps you on the shoulder and goes, hey, you do know it's going to end in about an hour. You're like, so what? I was living in the moment, man. Well, number one, it'd be like, so what? And it would probably be hell on earth if it never ended. It's true. Like you say, a, a mad Russian's Christmas is just going to go on repeat forever and forever. That sounds terrible. The yeah. fact that it does end makes it even more beautiful and, and that that's sort of his point is like stop throwing things into the argument and into our perspective that don't matter to us it really as far as joey and troy most people all people listening i'm gonna go out on a limb and say all people listening it really doesn't matter what happens a hundred thousand years from now doesn't nope so why are we even worrying about that and it really what happens 50 years from now, 10 years, what happens tomorrow? I guess that matters a little more. But the point is, what are you doing now? And how are you, I don't know, seizing the opportunities and the gifts we're given now? I suppose that's true. And if that, and since that is the case, why, why is Mr. Peterson judging people on the metric of which they establish whether or not they're successful. You know, sometimes people are successful with money. Sometimes people yeah. say they're full of the Lord, and they consider yeah. that to be rich. Absolutely, and it is. Why, why is Mr. Peterson, and I do this too, why are we judging people on the metric with which they establish how rich they are? No, he's, I don't think Jordan Peterson is. Um, he was more responding to that 
atheist argument. Right. Nothing's meaningful because we just we're a little blip that exists for a second, so it's not meaningful in the grand scheme of things. I think Peterson's answer to what makes life meaningful is number one, what you can feel it. Like if you're in the midst of a struggle, if you're in the midst of carrying a heavy weight, you can kind of feel like you're taking on something. It's a little bit scary, but it's also like I can do this. Mm-hmm. But then I've heard him say plenty of times to be a successful human being is to be successful in a m- multiplicity of games. Like human life is all sorts of games. Yeah. So you have family relationships, you have friendships, you have your career, you have all. You wear a lot of hats through life as a human being. And even if you might be successful for the first 40 years, you don't adjust to how life's changing. It can go downhill. There's a lot of metrics to which determine whether or not anyone is rich. Right. And his point would be to sort of build yourself up from a basis of what is your ultimate goal is and he would suggest ultimate goals should be things that are never really like achieved they're kind of an ongoing thing mm-hmm. so being a good person well that goes until you die and it might even extend beyond it people remember you and so how do you become a good person and he's got this whole thing yeah he's very detailed in the sense of meaning comes from all sorts of games that you're playing across a lifetime um it's actually I like his stuff. For all the crap that's out there politically. I like his stuff too. I just don't watch it on YouTube. Because no. then it destroys my feed. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Like, you know how they sort of make your feed couture based on what you've watched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would I would keep I would rather keep the snooker and the rest of videos. I share my account with somebody, so I get like my own like Jordan Peterson and I'll get some like Athlean X, like some weightlifting, body weight exercise stuff. Get some wrestling crap, uh, like my Ric Flair, Mean Gene montage. And then also get, like, for my buddy Andrew, like the OJs and, like, all Johnny Taylor, the Temptations, classic cars, uh, German short haired pointers. He really wants one of those. Really? Yeah, a lot of dog videos. We've been watching dog showing. Anyway, we're rich right now, folks, even if we don't have all the money. It's true. A lot of us are more successful than we give ourselves credit for, too. We got to hit this break. We'll be right back. Joey Clark. Welcome back, folks. In other news today, sad news. Roger, the Riptus L kangaroo, has died. He's jacked. He was jacked. Yeah. That's one impressive kangaroo. Yeah. Look him up, folks. Roger, the ripped kangaroo. If you don't remember him, like, I think somebody posted a, a video of him, like, having been to, like, a trash can or something. He's... He's terrifying if if you were like to upset him. I wouldn't want to get into the ring with that Roo. No. No. I think that Roo would kick my ass. Yeah. I think it really would. Now, off air, you brought up uh, 
the CFO of, I guess it's pronounced Huawei, mm-hmm. the biggest essentially tech company in the world, consumer technology company, um, make all these essentially cell phones or whatnot. Mm-hmm. She's being held in Canada, and then, but it's on U.S. charges. But I was reading something earlier today. Number one, China's pissed. Of course. Chinese government's like, you better release her or there'll be consequences. Those are, well, a veiled threat. Uh, the, the consequences, of course, would be it would end the tariff peace talk or whatever. Right. But I also saw an article from CNBC earlier today saying, oh, if this actually goes to trial, the U.S. government will have to actually prove what the Chinese government's doing. Which, are you willing to do that, U.S. government? I mean, there's there's a lot to it. It's interesting. Is this just a larger accusation of Chinese... The, the Chinese government is behaving like most developed governments and collecting intelligence. I don't think it would just be the United States alone with it the prosecution. Be. Because all they would have to do is file with Japan and Korea who refused Huawei's services on account of all the backdoors that they used. Now, but one thing the Chinese could do, I just came to mind as a retaliation, is if you are the head of a major U.S. technology company, I wouldn't be going to China anytime soon. Nope. Because they'll do the same thing. And I think they'll have the same argument. Look at all these backdoors in your software and your hardware. Yeah. I don't think the United States... Well, the United States might have a better argument for why they should be sent back to the United States than China's. China's argument is that she is in poor health and is not receiving the medical attention that she needs. Well, that sounds like a bunch of crap. Canada's response was, we found that, yes, she is indeed suffering from hypertension. Uh, A pretty, a quote-unquote severe case of hypertension. They also said, well, we treated her for a carcinoma. Uh, So I guess they, once they arrested her or Mm-hmm. are holding her. They gave her a medical inspection, and she was like, I have hypertension, so they're treating her for that. And then they found a carcinoma. Mm. She, you know, could just be a, a, an odd mole. You're right, right. Could be benign. Yeah, but... tr- treated her for that. All so right. she's getting good medical attention. <laughs> it's just, and I actually feel bad for that woman. I bet... She probably didn't run that company. No, She's her, not the chief her fi- dad did. Oh, okay. And now she does. Okay. But if you're running a company like that in China, you're probably not the one making the decision to put backdoors, if they exist, spying backdoors into your technology. Pretty sure that's up to the Communist Party. I, that Yeah, that would make the most sense. But it could also be a Facebook-type thing where it was like, we know this backdoor exists, so... You want to use it? Rather than offering it, we will sell it to many bidders. Well, and that's the new... Like, apparently this was news today. But I was like, well, duh. Like, all the apps we use on our smartphones, those companies are selling... The metadata? The metadata. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I think they're just giving you the stuff for free. Yeah. Well, and also part of me, especially if it's like a public app, it's like you use maps to drive somewhere. And part of me goes, well, it's kind of my data because I, I did the thing that's being examined. It's also like I didn't come up with the tool to create that data. 
Like I, I'm. It's a weird line where, for instance, I, I, I'm not one of these folks who say I have privacy in a public place. No, I don't. That's true. Somebody can take a picture of me. Somebody can talk to me. They can record me if I'm in a public place. That's true. And convenience is not a right. No. So if you want to eliminate a company, a map company, if you want to eliminate them from using your data, buy a paper map. Right. With cash. <laughs> right. And that that's part of what I, it's really getting me nervous. Tim Cook, I think last week, said the free market's not working anymore. Well, well how convenient, Mr. Cook. Now that you're like one of the top companies out there, it's not working anymore. We need regulation. Because <sighs> what's going to happen is the same thing the big railroad magnates did. They're going to run to the government, secure their position, and then it's going to be Facebook. Squash and, the little guys. And squash the little guys. Any competitors. If I'm the government right, right now, though... I'm not letting Facebook lobby anything on anybody's behalf at any time. But that's for, what they're going to do for man. the next five years. Because the government doesn't doesn't operate in, in a coherent, logical way. They're going to actually invite in Facebook and help write rules because they don't. Half of them don't understand the technology. I don't. But true. certainly the elected officials don't understand the tech. Wasn't I mean, it Wasn't it Roger Stone that got busted because he didn't know how to create a PDF? Isn't that one why how he got caught with one of his charges is he messed up making a PDF and it wasn't secure or encrypted and that's how they got the information? I don't know. St- uh, no, I'm confusing Stone and Corsi. Corsi maintains he like the reason they found out these emails because I gave them the emails. Yeah. Like, why are you trying to say I'm lying? I gave you the thing that you're saying I'm lying about. Yeah. So that's that's a whole other thing. But Facebook in particular, when you have. Elected officials complaining about, well, this is biased. Duh. They're a private company. Mm-hmm. Like, no way is it going to be equal. I don't... One thing that Reagan got rid of in the 80s was the fairness doctrine on radio. That if we talk politics in any particular way, the other side also had to be presented. Like, because there's only two sides. Right. Good God. I'm very happy Reagan got rid of that. So I do not want a fairness doctrine for the internet and for major internet providers, especially social media providers. Now, that said, I don't think Facebook and Twitter are doing a great job of regulating their own space. But to have... They, it, regulating is not incentivized when a company offers you a bunch of money to advertise their things. Right. The content of which apparently only nowadays matters. What was it? Uh, YouTube got rid of Gavin McGinnis today? Yeah. I, did. I mean, now it matters? Right. It's You didn't care when he was making you all that money. Exactly. You didn't care when he was the happy-go-lucky first hipster. Right, who created Vice. And, oh, yeah, he's, he's cool. But now he's saying controversial crap. Oh, no. I, some of the stuff he said, I've... Oh, no, it's terrible. Half the crap he says yeah. is awful. And I don't condone it, but I don't want to, like... It's just, it's just like, it's, it's rich down. that you care now. Because... Yeah. Now that you supposedly care, it's more ad- it's more advantageous for you to care now than it was when you were making money hand over fist off the guy. Well, don't get me started. It's, it's just, I don't want the, the politicians in the name of anti-PC or political correctness or whatever the flavor of the month is and the correct opinion we're supposed to have running in and try to control these big companies, thus giving them power, these companies' power, to where there won't be a competitor for Facebook or Twitter. It's asinine. They're not doing a great job, but do you really think adding Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell to the mix is going to make things better? No. No. 
It's not going to make things better. But on this political correctness kick, another story. It's out of New York, uh, like a arts high school. Their new principal there, it's a famous arts high school. She wants to add more education and less art, number one, which is a weird thing to go and do to a performing arts high school. Like Juilliard? Yeah, it's like it's not Juilliard, but it's a high school that's in that same vein. Okay, they're, I can't remember the name, but they're I read it real quick. They're really famous, and they're doing because the, a theme this last few days. Seth Spotlow comes on the show. Has never seen a musical. He's a big metalhead. Like no problem with that. He loves Tool. He loves Slipknot. He likes a lot of like heavy music. So he's had out of principle never watched a musical. We're trying to get him to watch The Sound of Music. Whether he goes to ASF. You went with that? Well, it could be anything. It could be Sweeney Todd if he wants some more blood in it. That's a that's a good... That's a musical that I love. Sweeney Todd? And I don't like musicals. You know I don't like musicals. Yeah, yeah. Sweeney Todd is incredible. Right, exactly. So, but here's the thing. I, this performing arts high school in New York, they're performing The Sound of Music. Okay. And, like, on the third or fourth rehearsal, the teacher... No, the new principal came in and said, you can't have those Nazi banners up what when you're presenting the sound of music like folks have seen the movie they're running away from austria the nazis are taking over there's nazi stuff everywhere yeah so to show the nazis are taking over say in a play setting you might want some nazi banners and swastikas around yeah and the teacher this principal said well, you got to take those down they're offensive so, but there's been a compromise. You can have it up for one or two scenes in the play where they're absolutely necessary. And it's just like, you know, kiss my ass. This isn't your play. Yeah. Like, it's history. Number. Ah! Warner Brothers did a really good thing regarding yeah. sort of this selective history. Right. Some of their comics, and uh, not comics, but rather some of their cartoons from early 40s, 50s, 60s. They're not, in today's world, they're not in good light. Sure. You would see it and you would be like, wow, oh, that's wow. really racist. Oh my. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I see that with like late 80s wrestling. They, <laughs> they put a disclaimer up before they showed a cartoon that has it. They said, this is the culture at the time. Yeah. This is how they were depicted. We do not condone them now. The world has changed now. We would never do this now. But this is how it was at the time. And so, for the sake of artistic integrity, we are not changing it. We are leaving oh. it. And then they showed the cartoon. Yeah, do not change stuff. Why can't they do that with the sound of music? Right, well... No. It's, it's a movie that's about being against Nazis. It's a play. It's a musical. It's, it's singing they, in the midst of crazy authoritarian, totalitarian idiots. They try to do it in video games, too. Like yeah. Wolfenstein, there was a big push to remove the Nazi flag or the, the swastika. And so they, they got rid of some of them and replaced them with, like, a symbol for the Third Reich. Well, and that was though, still very, you saw it and you were like, oh, Nazi Germany. Right, but as, as though that's going to change anything. Yeah. Like, seriously, it's like the the difference between being a good person and... Like, I don't say the forbidden words. No, we will not say the forbidden words. It's just stupid. It doesn't help many people. I don't know. I, uh, but it makes him feel better. Makes him feel better. Well, I, I... Oh, 
last point. We're going to have to end on this because we only got like two minutes, 30 seconds left. Okay. When you're the Oscars committee, when you're the Motion Picture Academy, and you hire somebody to be your host, like, and they're a comedian, they just, you should know they probably made some jokes. And if also, if you're Kevin Hart, don't take the Oscar host gig. He didn't apologize, though, so he doesn't have it, right? No, he doesn't have it. Okay. But don't take it, because the Oscars are incredibly gay. Oh. They're very gay. It's like, everybody knows this. It's true. Like, even if you're straight. I'm not even talking about sexuality at this point. Who's hosting it now? I don't know, but it's going to be gay. Yeah. It's just... I don't know. It's, uh, that's, not a, that's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. It's like, I I, think, I saw this whole thing. Like, Kevin Hart is announced, and then the next day, no more Kevin Hart. It's like, who did the research here? Somebody that wanted to make somebody butthurt. Gosh. Ugh. I shouldn't have, That's... <laughs> somebody that wanted to upset somebody. Yeah. But it just seems stupid. Because I've seen Hart stand up, and he talks about, no, that's gay. Like, yeah, he, he said he's going to beat his child. Right. Which is, I mean, during the, the stand-up is funny, but you take it out of context, and it's like, whoa, Kev. That's most stand-up comedy, though. It's true. That's true. Stand-up comedy, especially even if you write it, and you're like, oh, that's funny, funny. No, it's how they say it in the moment. That's stand-up comedy. And I'm tired of using stand-up comics jokes as, like, their official statements. And my goodness, I think Kevin Hart was, was talking. was like four or five years ago. Right? right, and I think people understood what Kevin Hart was talking about. And I think he's making a joke out of it because he knows it's probably not right. I, oh, my goodness. Yeah, and then there was also the Heisman. I saw... Kyler Murray won the Heisman, and then the next day I had a pop-up from ESPN that says, Heisman Trophy winner apologizes for something he wrote when he was 14. Right. Someone went through his tweets. Oh, it just came up once. No, you saw this guy have a great moment, and you want to go, hmm, did he say anything homophobic? Good God. I'm, I've never used Twitter in months. I kind of want to just get on there, and even if I get banned, just hashtag Oscar so gay. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. No. It's just true. But you also have to add another sort of random hashtag like fruitcake. <laughs> Butter. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening.